Welcome to Unquenchable Love with Brian Francis Hume. Each week, Brian will present a Christ-centered teaching to increase your passion for the Godhead. It is our hope that this podcast will be a burning lamp that leads you on a path to encounter God's unquenchable love for you. And now our host, Brian Francis Hume. I feel a stirring in my heart already just uh, being uh, amongst fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I believe God is going to, uh, by His grace, uh, deliver the fullness of what He has put in my heart for our time together. And I am just uh, just thrilled to be here. So, so, so Bobby and Wanda, thank you both for uh, just your obedience to the Lord and just allowing Him to, to, to host this event here. And, uh, and, and hopefully, Pastor Bobby, you won't be too uncomfortable with us gathering. But, but God, the Father is so good to us. I am just thrilled. I was just, uh, I was blessed tremendously to hear uh, uh, Bill Yant share this morning and, uh, and just the thing that God put in his heart. And that was the first time I'd actually got to hear him speak live. I've heard him once online, and then I've been reading, you know, his uh, writings, his prophetic words in the late 90s. And so it was just, you know, Bill is a, uh, I believe, a, a treasure to the body of Christ. And so we're grateful for him. Uh, we're, we're just going to uh, just continue uh, with the theme here at the conference, Pastors, Prophets, and Intercessors. And I believe God's put uh, a message in my heart for a time together that uh, I hope, by the grace of God, will stir your heart. I don't know where you are in your journey with the Lord, but I, it's, it's, it's my hope that wherever you are, that the Holy Spirit will provoke you to go further in Him. And so we are all called by the grace of God to a place of intercession before the Lord. Some of, it, some of us may have more grace in a sense of going deeper and, and, and more maturity in that place of intercession, but nonetheless, we are all called to a place of intercession before the Father. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. This, I was going to say this morning, but no, this afternoon. And, uh, and I want to just begin, if you don't mind, sharing my own story. Because we, you know, we all have a story that the Father is writing. You have a story that you are walking out in obedience to the Lord. And we each have a story. And there, I don't know about you, but when I read biographies or autobiographies, in that story, I somehow stumble upon my own story. It's like somehow I can just, you know, whether Jonathan Edwards or whether it's uh, Reese Howells or Catherine Kuhlman, it's like I find myself in the, in the, in the middle of the pages. I find my, my story in there. And so that's what God wants to do, wants to stir our hearts. And that when you hear a part of my story, it ignites something fresh in your heart to take a hold of it. And so, so I want to take you back to December 25th, 1998, Christmas Day. At that point, I was 24 years old, and I had been in full-time ministry for a year and a half. And so my mom and my dad started a tradition, primarily my mom, but this tradition, 97, she said, Brian, each year you can pick out 12 to 15 books. I'll order them, but they'll be, that'll be your Christmas gift. 
I mean, that's like heaven. I mean, yeah, I'm a book lover. And so, you know, that was just, that was my, uh, my language of love. And so, so that particular Christmas in 98, you know, I'm doing all the research. I can't remember if Google was around 98 or not, but I was online looking and I, can't, I uh, stumbled across this book. I didn't know who the author was, but I thought that sounded, that sounds good. So I put it on my list. And so Christmas morning, I have this huge stack of books. And, and that afternoon, as I sat down in my chair, I grabbed one of the books and it was the book that I had been initially intrigued by. And it was called Into the Fire by Che Ong. I sat in that chair for the next three hours and I read that book from cover to cover. And when I put that book down, my heart was stirred. I, w- I was just undone. Have you ever finished a book and you're just undone before the Lord? And that's how it was in that moment. And so I just lay down that book. And in that book, there was one chapter on prayer, prayer for the nations. And, and that chapter really, really undid me, if I can say it like that. I mean, I was j- just, uh, just touched by the Lord deeply. And in that chapter, Che Ong talks about his co-pastor, this, uh, this uh, intercessor revivalist named Lou Engel. And I read in that chapter about this man that was fasting and praying for 40 days. And I was thinking, and, and in my young walk in the Lord, I had always felt this stirring and a, and a sense of calling to go higher and deeper in the place of prayer, in the place of prophetic intercession before the Father. But I didn't really, I didn't look around. I, when I looked around, I didn't see at that time and season for me and my little spear, those that were walking in that high calling before the Father. And so when I read that book, it provoked me. And, and I remember just putting that, uh, that book down and just thinking, man, who is this guy, Lou Engel, this uh, intercessor revivalist that fast and pray for 40 days? So fast forward uh, one month, I'm in Colorado Spring. At, let me backtrack. So I was living in Virginia at that time. I was doing uh, campus ministry at JMU, Bridgewater College, EMU. So I was living in Harrisonburg, Virginia, about an hour south of here in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley. And so a month later, I'm uh, visiting Colorado Spring at the National School of the Prophets, convened by Peter Wagner. And we had a little break time, and I was in, of all places, the bookstore. And so I was walking around, and I saw this book that caught my eye by Beth Alves called the, uh, A Prayer Warrior. And so I thought, ooh, that sounds good. So I leaned over to, to grab it, and just as I was leaning over to grab it, somebody else's hand was reaching at the same time. We both kind of, you know, Step back, whoa. And I struck a conversation with the gentleman. Uh, he was an older gentleman. And I said, I got a book recommendation for you. I said, you got to read Into the Fire by Che Young. And this guy named Bill was like, whoa, that's my pastor. And I was like, what? And so I, I proceeded to ask him. I said, who is this guy that he talks about in the chapter on prayer named Lou Angle? And Bill was like, whoa, who's my friend? And so there was a divine connection, a divine appointment, as you could say. Fast forward another month. Guess where I'm at? Pasadena, California. So my college students are on spring break. I buy a ticket to fly out to Pasadena. 
I'm staying with this guy, Bill. I fly in February 23rd, 1998. And I'm the very first thing Bill says to me was, Brian, you want to go meet Lou? I said, yeah. And so we walk over to his house. This house is two minutes away. I didn't know what Lou looked like. I didn't know anything about him. I just had read one chapter on this man's life that, that just provoked me, provoked me in the grace of God. And so, we, we, uh, so Bill goes up, knocks on the door. Lou comes out, and we just you know, have this talk for a few minutes there. So Lou says, uh, you got to meet with me every morning in my auditorium and pray with me. We, we meet every morning at 5 a.m. Well, praise God, I was still on East Coast time. So I was like 8 a.m. No problem. <laughs> and so I, I was, you know, 24 years old, and I'm just so excited to be here in Pasadena, California. And, uh, and so, so Lou, you know, said, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. He said, oh, he said, wait a second, I'll be right back. So Lou runs in the house, Bill and I stand in there, and he comes back, and he says, uh, I got something for you. And he gives me a book, and it's uh, Azusa Street Revival by Frank Bartleman. And he said, man, let me pray for you. And, you know, Lou had that real raspy kind of voice. And so he puts his hand on me, and he begins to pray. And he said, Father, I just, God, I ask you to, to activate the prophetic calling on this young man's life. And he's just, you know, he's just praying up a storm right there, just like. <sighs> and so, but I'm telling you, that moment changed my life, changed my life. If you knew anything about Lou, Lou's a prophet to the nations. He is a prophetic dreamer. And from that point on, and, and to this day, I've had over a thousand prophetic dreams from the Lord that recorded in my journal. And, and God has enabled me to use that to, to minister to leaders, to minister to my family, to minister to people, and, and to have ammunition in the place of prayer. And, and so just two or three days later, I mean, it very well could have been February 25th, 1998. I don't know. But, but I had my very first prophetic dream. And I'm, again, in Bill's uh, apartment. And, and in this dream, I'm standing before a bookcase, and I'm just looking at all the books, and my eyes are fastened on this one book, and I reach for it, and I pull it out, and it's this very copy of Reese Howell's Intercessor, and I pulled it out, and when I looked at it, all of a sudden, I felt this tangible power anointing come upon me in my dream, and it hit my head, and it went through my body, and so I literally woke up from that dream in that moment, and I could just sense the tangible anointing residing on me from whatever it was that I encountered in the dream. So I woke up, and uh, and it was just the, the presence of the Lord that was just so tangible in that mo moment. I'm a young young man, and so a few hours later, Bill arises, and I shared this dream with them. If you notice on here, the the author that wrote the biography for Reese Howells, intercessor, is a man named Norman Grubb. So when I shared this story with Bill, B Bill was just uh, excited. He said, you won't believe this, but Norman Grubb was my mentor before he passed away. And so it was just one, just one of those little kisses from heaven. And so, so for literally a year after that dream, uh, I could literally just, if, if I ever 
hit a roadblock in my time of prayer and it was just a little dry. It was almost like I could literally reflect on that dream and all of a sudden I just felt that anointing come on me in that place of prayer and being able to, to intercede for others. And so there, were, there was some impartation that happened in, in that place of, uh, in that prophetic dream that the Lord graciously gave me. And, and so I want to talk this morning, ah, this afternoon, sorry. I want to talk about the, the, the title of my message is the call of an intercessor. And, and I want to talk with us uh, about that because, you know, there are those in this room in terms of the grace for intercession in your life, you are far more mature than I am. And, and we have much to learn from you. And then there are others that I'm hoping that maybe I'm a few steps ahead of you and, and the grace of God, but somehow God's going to provoke something in your heart that to really lay hold of this. But I, be, I believe with my whole heart that each one of us here are called of God to a place of intercession. And I believe as a part of the message that God wants me to share this afternoon is I, I want to do it in a way that would enable you to take the principles of, in terms of God calling on your life and apply it to whether you are a pastor or whether you're called to be a prophet or an intercessor or a writer or a teacher or a person in the marketplace. But if there's a principle in terms of God's calling, I think that can be applied to your unique uh, specific calling unto the Lord. So my scripture verses, uh, I just have two verses that we are, uh, that are going to be the thrust of my message. And, and the first one is Leviticus 6.13. It's absolutely one of my favorite verses. And it says this, fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. And there's fire in the house, even right this moment. I believe the Spirit of God is igniting fire in our hearts this day. There's fire by the Holy Spirit that is going to ignite within our hearts in the place of prayer, in a place of intimacy, in a place of identity before Him. And that's what we're going to talk about is the, is the fire of identity, the fire of intimacy, and the fire of intercession. Because God wants to release a fresh fire in your heart this day that when you leave to go back home you're not living empty-handed but you are living with a fire in your heart that wasn't there when you came here amen that the fire of the holy spirit is going to be just a little hotter than it was before you came how many of you want that if there's something that we can all burn for something in life i mean there's lots of stuff out there in the world that you can burn for but I don't know about you, but I want to burn for God. I want to burn with passion, holy passion for him. And I believe each one of us are called to that place where we burn, we burn for him above all else. Amen. The gentleman right there, I just feel like God is speaking. He is speaking loud and clear to you, son. There's something very specific. He's saying it's loud and it's clear. I feel like the father is saying that he's even in this season tucking you in, son. It's like there's something about the Abba Daddy. He's tucking you in. It's almost like you're the daddy by the bed. But there's something about the, the comfort of the Father. He is tucking you in. In Him, you are secure. In Him, you are safe. So I'm telling you, you are called to carry the Father's heart. There's a fire that's going to burn in your heart as a father unto many others. 
And I feel, I feel like God's just burning something in you. I just see fire on you. I don't know anything about you, but there's fire on you today. There's a fresh fire that he's igniting in your heart. Amen? Amen. Sorry. Just had to <laughs> release that. Uh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, we desired the fire of your presence, the fire of your love, the fire of who you are, the consuming fire. God is a consuming fire, Lord, that we would be consumed by you and you alone. Amen. Oh, thank you, Father. Sometimes I get stirred up and I don't know how to release it. So I'm still learning. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I want to talk about, uh, before we step into the three-point message, the fire of identity, the fire of intimacy, and the fire of intercession, I want to talk briefly about calling. And I love what, uh, what my pastor wrote in his best-selling book, The Circle Maker. You may have uh, read it by Mark Batterson. My wife and I uh, uh, were part of National Community Church in Northern Virginia. The hot woman up front there, that's my wife. There's a lot of fire. Sorry, I had to do that. But I love what Mark Batterson writes. He says this, and he's talking specifically about his own vocation as a pastor. But this, again, this principle can be applied across the board. But he wrote this. He said, I wasn't qualified to pastor National Community Church the only thing I had on my resume was a nine-week summer internship. We had no business going into the coffee house business. No one on our team had ever worked in a coffee house when we started pursuing that dream. But it doesn't matter if you qualify for the loan, qualify for the job, or qualify for the program. If God has called you, you're qualified. Again, if God has called you, you're qualified. I'm telling you, you're going to walk out of this place with a new confidence in the Father. Because some of you, there's like, there didn't, the lack of confidence because you've been wondering, am I really called? Am I really called? And I believe God is, by His Spirit, is, is boosting your confidence because it's Him that calls you. It's Him that qualifies you. And I just believe... At the end of this conference, uh, there's going to be a confidence, not in your own strength, not in your own ability, but in the, the call of God on your life and, the, and the, his goodness to enable you to walk out that calling. Praise God. And so, so we talk about calling. Uh, you know, God called Elisha. And when Elisha was called, Elijah the prophet threw his mantle on him. And what was Elisha doing? Elisha was a wealthy man plowing the field. And so when he received that calling, he took the, uh, the oxen and he slaughtered them and he took all his equipment and he basically burned them. He was ready to step into his calling at that point and to, 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 to walk with the prophet Elijah. They're, they're the scripture that that says that uh, Elijah would pour water into the hands of the prophet. And so Elijah took on the very heart of a servant to serve Elijah. And so we talk about calling, that there's a place 
that we can receive that calling from the Lord. And that and, and our first response in that place of calling is to have the heart of a servant. Because times are going to get tough. Times are going to get tough as you are walking out that calling. I love what is... Um, Wanda mentioned in the beginning, I used to own a Christian publishing company. I had, uh, you know, multiple uh, editors that I would contract with. And there was one particular one that uh, I worked with, uh, Jennifer Slattery. And she wrote something one day that I just thought was, uh, was phenomenal. She says this, just because we're called doesn't mean we don't need to undergo training. For me, God's call came and it was followed by a long period of learning. I'm still learning of uniting with others who share a similar call and learning from one another, joining critique groups, seeking out close relationships with those who have been involved in a similar calling for longer and staying the course along the uphill climb. So many Christians think, ah, God called. Now the floodgates of heaven will open. But from my experience and biblical history, the call is usually followed by some painful struggle. Moses and Midian, then him and the Israelites in the wilderness, Joseph in Egypt under Potiphar, then in prison, David hiding out in the caves. So again, I want to reiterate that one sentence or actually two sentences, most Christians think, ah, God called. Now the floodgates of heaven were open. But from my experience and biblical history, the call is usually followed by some painful struggle. Now, when I received that call from the Lord in terms of my own journey, I I think it's safe to say that there was a, a struggle that ensued. It was a, a, a long journey in the wilderness that uh, I would say uh, for literally 15 years, I went through a season of hiding. I went through a season, an extended wilderness season where God was dealing with my heart because I didn't have the character necessary to sustain the anointing and the calling that he had on my life. And he was more than willing, more than happy to put me on the back shelf, even as I was kicking and screaming the whole time until I finally learned, be still. And so, man, can, I, can I just be blunt? Man, um, you know what? If men, if we're called to be intercessors, we're called to be prophetic voices, our eyes better be Sure. Many of you who have heard me speak before have heard this story. But there came a point because I eventually, a year and a half after that encounter with the Lord in Pasadena, California, I met a beautiful Polish girl in Bible school at Christ for the Nations. One day, uh, this beautiful blue-eyed girl smiled at me in class. And my heart went, da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. And lo and behold, we got married. But I had issues in my heart. I had issues, you could say, the lack of character. 
and things would seem like they were going great. Our first year was, was wonderful. After the first year, some of those old things are rising to the surface. The heat was on, and some of the, the junk in my life began to rise up. And I'm, I'm going to be blunt, specifically, lust, pornography, and anger. That junk began to rise up in my life. Man, we can't be messing with that stuff and think we can walk in a high place of consecration before the Father. God will permit us to go through struggles in order to get to the root of our hearts. So whether it's, um, whether you're a man, you're, you know, dealing with issues of uh, lust in your heart, or whether you're, you're a woman dealing with deep roots of insecurity, whatever it may be, the Father wants to get to the root of it. He wants to yank out that stuff out of our hearts so that we may walk with the purity of heart before the Father. And I mean, I can just say about the grace of God. You know, I stand before you as, 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 as a broken man, but yet in the grace of God, a strong man walking in purity of heart with integrity and holiness of heart. And so if God can do it in my life, praise God, he can do it in your life. Ah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So we're going to look at uh, here, um, we're going to jump into three aspects I think are just critical for us to understand the call as an intercessor. And the first thing we're going to look at is the fire of identity. And I love even Wanda, Wanda's message last night, because she alluded, she shared on this in terms of our identity as sons and daughters is, is essential for our walk with the Lord. And so 2007, uh, actually it was November 26, 2007, I met uh, Mary Washington Hospital. My wife had just given birth to our firstborn daughter. And as any child is, that's, uh, that's thrust from the comforts of the mother's womb through that narrow birth canal into this world, a normal baby is going to be crying at the top of her lungs. And so sure enough, Simone came out with a very loud cry. Praise God. And so the nurse grabbed her and they're getting her fixed up on the table. And this particular table was the one where they put the, the special light that, that allows the, the baby to, to, to have the, the necessary, uh, I don't know all the scientific stuff. They're probably, but, uh, but the light was bright on her and she was crying. Her arms were flailing. And, uh, and I was standing probably about 10 feet away. So I started walking over towards uh, my, my firstborn and, uh, and as I get closer, about three feet away from her, I, I stopped. I said, Simone, Simone, this is your daddy. And as I, and I say those words all of a sudden, it was like this hush came over her. And she, and she, you know, her head was closer to me. So, so she looked back in this direction toward the sound, the voice of her father. And I tell you, man, I lost it at that point. She, I mean, I was just, just bawling because when Annette was pregnant with Simone, we would pray and we would bless her. And I would actually sing to her sometimes. I can't sing worth a lick, but I sang to her just to bless her. And so, so you know, I'm just bawling there. And, uh, and finally, the nurse brings my firstborn over to me. And here I, I have this precious baby in my arms. 
And man, I knew in my heart, the very first thing I wanted to say to my little Simone Bethelshium, when she was in my arms, were these words. You are my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I just want to declare as her earthly father, the love that I had for this precious little daughter of mine, that moment captures even for us what the Father says over each one of us. You are my son. You are my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This has been Unquenchable Love with Brian Francis Hume. Join us each week as we pursue God's heart for passion, purity, and prayer.